Now, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. We are speaking with the one and only Roger Glover of Deep Purple. The new album, Turning to Crime, is out on November 26th. I've had a chance to hear it. It is absolutely fantastic. And as we say here in uh, Montreal, uh, bonjour, Roger. Comment allez-vous? How are you? Ah, oh, je suis bien. Bien, good. And I know that you uh, you do great when you come to Montreal. It's been a, an incredible market for you over the years. They, they, we love our Deep Purple here. Um, talk to me a little bit about the concept of this album in terms of you don't have any original material on this. It is essentially a covers album. Uh, was that an interesting take to take on other people's songs and say, hey, let's Deep Purpleify them? Um. Yeah, it was. Uh, the, the problem was, you know, we don't write Deep Purple songs. Right. We have to be together and we jam and, and they kind of evolve out of those jams. And since we couldn't get together, we all live in different parts of the world. And uh, so uh, if we take the writing part out of it, all we've got to do is perform. We can that, that can be done remotely in our home studios, right. which is what we did. But, you know, there certainly was an intention to... Uh, Pay respect to the original, of course, but um, to write enough of it into it, like the, the old solos or different arrangements that going places, just to make it interesting and make it fun and make it different. Yeah, talk to me about the choices because you you look at Mitch Ryder and U.E. Smith and and you know Rock and Pneumonia and Boogie Woogie Flu, which Aerosmith once covered. Uh, how did these choices come about? Because you didn't go for giant, massive hits. You didn't go for, hey, let's let's cover whatever, a Huey Lewis song. You went for more sort of, you know, music fan kind of songs. Uh, talk to me about the choices and who made them. Well, we are music fans you know, ourselves, of course. Of course. <laughs> and uh, lived long enough to live through that uh, beginning of rock and roll and how it transformed itself from the, the early days of Chuck Berry and Little Richard mm. and into uh, the Beatles and Bob Dylan. And then the West Coast music came along and it just, it was just, I don't know, it was a wonderful moment in time. There's a big creative surge going on. Yeah. Record companies were run by people who loved music. You know, bankers and accountants were, you know, <laughs> just paid people. Now they're in charge. But um, those songs, when you hear them, um, there's some great songs. Everything's so different. There was a freedom in the air. And and when those songs, you heard those for the first time, they stay with you. you know, that's the magic of music. You, you hear it once and bang, it's part of your system. You can yeah. never forget it. And so covering songs from the last 10, 20, even 30 years didn't really appeal to us. Um, Hang on a sec. Go, go. It's it's like me on this side. I'm I'm stuck with two dogs here who might bark at any moment. But hey, that's 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 what COVID has brought. We do this from at home now, right? I mean, I know. You know, well, say la vie. But my mother's away. That's a young girl, right? <laughs> and I left a note for her as well. <laughs> it's okay. I'm I'm just fingers crossed these dogs don't start barking but but yeah so it, it is interesting that you 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 went back to the beginning um let me let me move on to a next question you've worked with Bob Ezrin and Bob Ezrin is one of those guys who deserve who belongs on sort of the Mount Rushmore of producers you've got Mutt Lang you've got Bob Ezrin and and a, and a couple others 
Talk to me about working with Bob because you've produced. You could easily say to the guys, hey, I've, I've produced, uh, you know, Michael Schenker and Nazar. Let me do this. But you bring Bob in. What does Bob bring to the process, to the sound? Because it's the fourth album in a row right now. Hmm. Well, he takes the weight off my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not fun actually producing the band you're in. Right. It's a lot of hard work and people don't listen to you because you're the bass player. <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm wearing different hats, but in, in their mind, it's the same old hat, you know. So, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it can be done, but it, it ends up being more of a sort of committee production because you obviously, right. if you're in the band, you want to please everyone. Yeah. As a producer, might might piss a few people off, but you've got to get a great mix. And that's what, what Bob does. I don't think he was particularly interested in producing us to start with. You know, he didn't want to be known for producing old acts, you know, classics and stuff. Um, but he came to see us in Toronto, actually, and uh, yeah. he was blown away. With the, I don't know quite what, but he, he, he took us on board and, and we just developed this amazing rapport with him. He's become a friend, you know. He, he really enjoys working with us and we really enjoy working with him, so... It's it's hard to, to we don't want to stop that. Yeah. And you you have of course produced Deep Purple albums in the past. Is there an importance though to have outside ears to a project because you can get self indulgent. Not I'm not saying that you did on the runs you did, but there's a tendency to get self indulgent if you don't have outside ears. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I I'm aware of that, uh, and I, I listen to music with an outside ear. Um, even though I'm part of it, um, but and but it is difficult. Yeah, uh, a fresh fresh set of ears is, is always great. That's why I like a gap between the recording of an album and the mixing of the album, because the recording of the album I'm doing one thing and performing and writing as well. Mixing, there's got to be some space, you know, at least a couple of weeks or something like that. So you're coming to it with a fresh ear. Um, but with Bob, there's no need to do that. He's, he's the constant fresh ear. Bob, Bob is great and a fellow Canadian. Um, you've had Now What, Infinite, Whoosh, and now, of course, Turning to Crime. Four albums in the last uh, eight years, which is quite remarkable for a band of, of your stature because you could easily go out there and do a greatest hit set, play 15 songs and say, here's Smoke on the Water, thank you very much. Why continue make new music? What what's the importance of staying vital and staying on the ball and and keep making new music and not just sort of rely on the hits? Well, we're still living, of course. <laughs> That's the you know we're still we still enjoy what we do, uh, and I think Bob Ezrin's brought a kind of new feeling to the band. You know, before now, what there was an eight year break with no album. And we, we'd kind of lost faith in albums. We, 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 they were kind of a drag to do. And uh, we were touring all the time. You know, we we're fortunate. We, could, we were a band that don't need albums to tour. We just tour. No, you don't. So, uh, but meeting Bob changed all that. I think he brought out uh, a whole new songwriting uh, streak in us. Um, and being brave enough to do things that, you know, Maybe questionable, but there's always this ethic in the band that actually there's no thing like a deep purple song. 
Right. It's whatever we play is a Deep Purple song. So that kind of broadens all the horizons, you know. Um, we're still a hard rock band, of course. But, uh, that's, the, that's the heart of it. But I, th I think this, at this late stage in our career, it's actually wonderful to have this kind of uh, this surge in the last 10 years or so. It's a great surge, and it's been fantastic for the fans. In terms of making new music, do you are you at a stage now where when you make it, you don't have to worry about the AOR guy and the label guy, and you just make the music you want to make? Or do you sort of have to say to yourself, listen, we're Deep Purple, the fans expect a certain something, let's give them that certain something. Do you, do you have to make a Deep Purple sounding album, or can you be completely free to do whatever you want? I think we could be completely free to do whatever we want, yeah. Right. Um, and it's, it's hard to pinpoint what the spirit of the band is all about, really. It's it's all about music, you know. We're not, we don't think about the fans and what they expect. We think about what we like to do. Um, and I, in fact, I have no expectations about anything. So we start some songs and I think, oh, well, I'm not sure where this is going, but it turns out to be great. So... Yeah. Uh, no expectations is always a good place to be. It really um, is. Um, but I, I think there's a, there's also a feeling that um, if we started listening and to what fans want, uh, we'd be totally confused because they all want different things anyway. Yeah. So we we can only please ourselves. And if they like it, great. And if they don't like it, that's great too. We don't care. Yeah, it's it's an interesting place to be uh, as a producer yourself. Um, talk to me about how you veered off into production because you were with the band and you had a lot of success, even with, even with the, you know, the David Coverdale and the Glenn Hughes lineups, you, you've always been successful on top of your game and touring and touring and touring. At what point did you say, Hey, you know what? I'd love to sit with Barbie Benton and, and work on this album. I'd love to sit with Rainbow and work on, um, why not just be the bass player in Deep Purple? Well... When I left Deep Purple in 73, mm -hmm. it was not a pleasant experience. Yeah. Um, but by that time, uh, a good friend of mine, we'd formed, uh, our management had formed the Purple Music, Purple Records, and they were looking for stuff. And a good friend of mine called Rupert Hine oh, yeah. uh, had written some interesting songs. And uh, I managed to get him a deal with Purple Records, and, and there was no one to produce it, so I did it. And that was my first production. I had no idea what I was doing. I just, uh, you know, there's a feeling of, of of power. You're empowered when you can control things like this, you know? Yeah. You can even tell a bunch of musicians when they can, you know, have a break. <laughs> there's power for you. Uh, but I didn't know what I was doing. It's, it's just really instinct and love of music. And uh, a little while later, uh, an unknown band called Nazareth, got in touch with me and asked, you know, if I'd produce their record. And I went in and produced one song. Um, it's called um, Broken Down Angel. And I, later on, a couple of months later, we did the rest of the album. And then I went on tour in 73 and was busy, 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 uh, leaving Deep Purple in the middle of the yeah. year. I got home and pretty depressed. Uh, having just been sort of eased out of the biggest band in the world at that time. By the way, we're glad that you're back, by the way. I'll just say and, that. And now uh, I opened the papers a couple of days after getting home, and there was Nazareth sitting at number four in the charts. I thought, wow, 
a production of mine is in the wow, you know. Yeah. And I just, it just I just fell into production. There's there was no touring anymore, so I had plenty of time. And uh, I don't know, productions just came my way. People just called up and said this and that. So. Okay. Listen, if I could, if I was making a record and I'd say, hey, I could work with the bass player of Deep Purple, I'd be calling. <laughs> I mean, I'd be calling, you know. Well, secretly, I thought they just want my name on the record. I don't know what I can bring to it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the dark as to what producers do. It's just purely flying by the seat of my pants. But I've, you know, I've come to the conclusion that what a producer does is, is many faceted. But the main thing is to make the artist feel comfortable, comfortable because you can't really express yourself if you're if you don't like this, you don't like that, or the sounds bad, or just got to create a nice atmosphere in which they can feel comfortable and, and be the third ear. The third year. Now, we, we've only got 15 minutes, so I'm just going to throw two last questions at you, and then we're going to have to go. But um, Turning to Crime, of course, does come out at the end of this month. Uh, will you tour it where you will play five or six or seven cuts on this, or will you just go do a regular Deep Purple tour, maybe throw in one or two? Is there going to be a Turning to Crime tour? No. 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 Uh, but I, I suspect that one or two of them will get that for sure. But we don't know what that's going to be. I mean, we normally sort of get together the day before the first show and figure out what we're going to do. It's, we don't we don't rehearse for two months with you know stage sets and special effects. Dude, that, that's what I love about Deep Purple. We're, real, we're a real down to earth band, and, and in fact, we kind of rehearse in front of people. You know that, but that's part of life. It's just you know, yes, we'll be probably this time a bit more than a day because we've been off for a couple of years. <laughs> We remembered how to count to four. Yeah, well, hey, well, we, we love it. And uh, I'll finish on this. You, you had a chance to produce the uh, Michael Schenker group. Um, talk to me about that, because Michael is very uh, a perfectionist. He he knows what Michael wants. How difficult or how easy was it to say, hey, Michael, let's harness this energy. Let's make this album, because it's, it is a masterpiece. It is a great, great album, and you had a lot to do with that. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... He was in a great point in time. He yeah. went through a lot of ups and downs um, uh, with, you know, God knows what, alcohol, drugs and whatever. <laughs> uh, but he was clean and he was straight and he was a joy to work with. He was, yes, he's uh, he's on the ball yeah. and he knows what he wants. Um, and all you, all you can do is give him what he wants, you know. I mean, he's the, he's the star. And he was very easy to work with. I, I gotta say, we became very quite quite friendly then. Yeah. yeah, he's he's just a great talent. Anyway, we we've run out of time. I could do this for another hour, but uh, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank oh, you so much. Not at all. Thank you, man. Nice talking to you. Absolutely, and I look forward to another Deep Purple show. The last one here was just brilliant. So come on, let's do it again. Well, I'm with you there. Thank Fingers you, sir. Crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> Merci bien. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, perfect.